How does one distinguish between the Boone legends, the legends, and the Boone facts? Or what are the main myths about Daniel Boone that obviously you, you're writing about and trying to give a correct image? Yeah, the you know typically the usual rule of thumb is that the more the more recent the perception or story about a historical character, the less accurate it is. It's like the game of telephone. Some people may remember the game of telephone that, uh, you know, one person whispers in one person's ear and there's like 10 people in line. And by the time that whatever that first person whispered gets to the 10th person, it's a completely a significantly changed message. And that's what happens with iconic figures like a Daniel Boone, like a Davy Crockett, or, you know, a number of these frontiersmen, Kit Carson, Jim Bridger, um, other historical figures. And, and so for researchers, the best case scenario is, are there contemporary accounts? And by contemporary, I mean, these were accounts that were uh, written down or at least recorded in some way at the time of a person's existence or soon after. And in the case of Daniel Boone, there's a ton of legends about him and, 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 and some of them turned out to be true. I mean, he had many adventures that were actually are actually true. And the whole story about how his daughter got kidnapped with two of her companions. And he spent days tracking the Indians down and re- rescuing his daughter, which later became an important part of the book Last of the Mohegans by James Fenimore Cooper. Um, but in Daniel Boone's case, during his lifetime, he became a well-known figure. Uh, and towards the end of his life, there were people that sought him out to interview him about his life and adventures. Uh, John Filson is, is just uh, one of those people and, and wrote down some of the stories and reminiscences of Boone. And, uh, most important is, is, um, a man named Lyman Draper. Draper came along soon after Boone passed away. He never had the opportunity to actually sit down and interview Daniel Boone. But he spent years and years and years, and he once said he, he probably logged about 50,000 miles on horseback, um, tracking down people who knew Boone, including Boone family members, his children who were still alive, and, other, and, and nephews and nieces, in-laws. And uh, he, he recorded you know, hundreds and hundreds of pages of stories about Daniel Boone. And that, his, he never got to write the biography he wanted to write, which is rather sad. Uh, but he had all his all his papers, and which he donated to. Uh, he was the the head of the Wisconsin Historical Society, and that they could to this day you can find all these pages about Boone in the Wisconsin Historical Society archives. And those are those are kind of contemporary contemporary accounts. There's a, there's the Filson Society in in, in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, which has its own repository. So these are the kind of contemporary sources which are the closest to what a Daniel Boone actually was and what actually did transpire during his lifetime. So you start going through that and it makes it easier for you to remove from the narrative, other narratives of Boone, just what doesn't seem to be, or is definitely not true. So examples of myth versus facts. Well, uh, one myth is that Daniel Boone sported a coonskin cap. <laughs> we got that from the television show. He, he would never wear a coonskin cap. Uh, he did. He didn't wear. He, he rarely wore any cap in the woods because that could be an impediment. Uh, he used to grease his, put bear grease on his hair 
and, and to keep it in place and out of his way uh, when he was when he was hunting and, and hiking and however and, and guiding people through the Cumberland Gap. Uh, so that's that's one thing about him that he was a big tall man. Uh, this Paul Bunyan like character. He was actually probably about five seven, five eight, uh, kind of kind of on the stocky side. Uh, that he was an Indian fighter was the biggest one. Uh, that he was this man on the frontier that was slaying Indians right and left and making it safe for uh, new settlers. Uh, at the end of his life, that was one of his biggest regrets that he had acquired that reputation as an Indian fighter because he never endeavored to do that. I mean, yes, he was involved in fights with Indians because of uh, he was in a couple of wars, you know, the Revolutionary War, the War of French and Indian War, and sometimes just for self-defense uh, on the frontier. But he never sought to uh, uh, have conflict uh, with Indians. He never had this hatred for them, as I mentioned before. So, you know, there's, there's uh, one of these pe- things that people thought were always a myth about Daniel Boone was that there's something called a story called Boone's Surprise, which is that when he was on one of his long hunts that lasted about 14 months and he got back and his wife, Rebecca, was there nursing a, a newborn baby girl. And he wasn't a terribly educated man, but he could do basic math. And he realized if I've been gone for 14 months, where had this baby come from? And that had always been, that had been long been considered a myth, but, you know, we found uh, the paperwork, the accounts, the, even, even uh, by Boone's son is his, his, his daughter's brother uh, that uh, his wife had had, a, 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 thought he was dead and had looked for comfort in the, in the arms of Ned Boone, Daniel's younger brother, which had produced a daughter who he became very close to and, and raised as his own daughter. In fact, when Boone died, it was at her, her home with her husband's kids. So that turned out to be true, not a myth. Uh, that's, what I think, one of the things that makes um, uh, writing about history so fascinating, that there are things that you don't think are true that can turn out to be true, and things that people maintain were true that, well, actually, no, they're not. What would you say um, were Boone's greatest accomplishments? I think his greatest accomplishments was that he... And I think what he's probably, most, two things. One that he's mo- more remembered for is uh, he didn't discover the Cumberland Gap, but he found the way that the Cumberland Gap would be the best route for settlers coming through the Appalachian Mountains into Kentucky and, and, and starting to settle that first frontier, that first open country uh, that white men could, could start to settle and farm and hunt in. And, and there, are, there are actually millions of people who can trace their ancestry back to somebody who came through the Cumberland Gap. Uh, and um, one of them was Abraham Lincoln. Now, not Abraham Lincoln, the president, but his grandfather was led by Daniel Boone through the Cumberland Gap and, and eventually gave, gave uh, uh, he, he had married, gave birth to his son, who in turn, his wife gave birth to the 16th president of the United States. I think the other thing that Boone is known for, though not as well, and I think our, our book, Blood and Treasure, really, I hope will correct that, is he played a rather important role in the War of the Revolution for the United States. Uh, it's Most of our, our attention on the American Revolution has been focused on, on the East Coast or what, what was happening in Boston, New York, Virginia, New Jersey, uh, to some extent the Carolinas. There was a second front to the American Revolutionary War. On the, there was a Western front. 
And it was where the British uh, and their Indian allies were sweeping across the Ohio Valley and down into Kentucky and Tennessee with the idea that if they could wipe out the settlements there, the most prominent, uh, prominent of which was Boonesboro, uh, then they could just they could basically come out, come come around and and surprise George Washington from behind. He would have had to fight a two front war, which he could not possibly have won. So uh, a, a rather important event in Blood and Treasure is the Siege of Boonesboro. All the British and Indian forces were focused on that beleaguered fort led by Daniel Boone and, and, and his fellow hunters and settlers and farmers and women and children. And uh, if, they, if they had not successfully de- survived, if they had not successfully defended that fort, the entire Western Front would have collapsed and uh, the American Revolution may have turned out quite differently. Mm-hmm. During, during that period, um, there was a very, very small Jewish population in general in the United States. It really, and the immigration hadn't really kicked in yet. Any connection between Daniel Boone and um, Jewish people, Jewish, anything Jewish? Not that we could find. Now, this is... There may well have been Jewish people who were part of the groups that Daniel Boone uh, escorted, I guess is a way to put it, through the Cumberland Gap, and 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 that he was doing there. He was a path. He was a pathfinder, and and people followed him through the Gap and beyond because they felt safe with him. And he was extremely knowledgeable. He was most, like I mentioned before, his place he was most comfortable was in the forest, in the woods, in the open country. So. Uh, I, I think it'd be wrong to say, oh no, there were no Jewish people that were part of those settlement groups that, that were coming through the Cumberland Gap. Uh, and they were probably uh, uh, members of uh, detachments of, of militia and regular, regular army, both that, that Boone served with, especially during the uh, uh, French and Indian War and the War of the Revolution. Uh, but I don't recall in any of our research that there was anybody at least who Boone may have been acquainted with who was identified as being Jewish. They may have been, but there was not, they, they weren't identified as such. So if somebody comes and says Boone had Jewish lineage, that would probably be a myth. It, it would probably be a myth. Uh, I mean, it, it, it would probably it would be certainly of news to not only Daniel Boone, but his father and grandfather, George, because, you know, the, the at that time they were that the Boone family was very strong Quakers you know, in England. And then when they immigrated, George and his, and his children immigrated to uh, what, what was America, then not the United States. And and people tended to marry within their community and their church. So I think it would, it would have been unusual to probably have had a Jewish member as part of the Boone family. I'm sure that's changed over the generations, but at that time, yes. Right. And, and, and I, I get the sense from, from what you've described in the book, in terms of his views towards other religious practice, tolerant, understanding to others. Tolerant, tolerant understanding is, is the very least of it. Yes. And in fact, you know, he says in the book, we, we point out that he said in the book that, that uh, as, again, as far as his, his view of Indians, he, he put as much trust in, in the in, in belief in a great spirit as he did in the Christian God. 
you know, he allowed for a higher power. I know that term's kind of been co-opted by AA, but uh, but I think I think to him there was there was definitely a higher power that was a a, a, a loving and somewhat interested God. I don't think he believed that there was a, such a hands-on as some people believe, but uh, but it, it could take any many forms, and he didn't rule any of them out. Now he he probably didn't practice a or get into like what's sometimes called paganism, for example, uh, where he saw animals as, as being gods or representatives of gods. He just, he felt there was something up there. There was a higher power. And whether that was a, a the great spirit of the Indians, whether it was one of the Christian gods, if somebody had presented him about the, talk to him about Yahweh, I, I think Daniel Boone would have said, that's very interesting. Tell me more. In, in, in an environment perhaps today's environment of political correctness, has Daniel Boone taken a hit? You know, there were a couple of incidences in the fall of 2020 in which there were a couple of, like there was some defacing of a Daniel Boone statue in Kentucky, and there was some vandalism at Daniel Boone, I think it was State Park, also in Kentucky, that some people connected to the movement to, you know, tear down Confederate statues and things okay. like that. Uh, and the, 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 in Frankfort, Kentucky, some state lawmakers got concerned that Daniel Boone was being lumped in with uh, the Confederacy issues simply because he's buried in Kentucky and it's, and by that it's considered a Southerner. Um. But not really, you know, because I think a lot of people uh, realize that, first of all, Danny Boone died, you know, 25, 26, 70 years before the Civil War began. Uh, and he was somebody that did not have a reputation of intolerance, uh, did not his Quaker religion uh, that influenced him his entire life. He was not somebody that believed in slavery. Uh, you know, he, every, everybody, everybody should be free to pursue their 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 destiny uh he had no problem with people of color so i think he's managed so far to escape being uh uh lumped in with that 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 same group that's that is uh, did indeed participate in the confederacy did indeed with slave owners things like that as you speak to to different types of people across the country and especially young people um why should young people study and understand the life of a Daniel Boone? You know, the reason that occurs to me right off the top of my head is that he had a great admiration uh, and love for the natural world. You know, he, he, he was, you could maybe even say he was an environmentalist in that, yes, he hunted. You know, he, he killed animals, but he didn't kill animals because for sport. That was never, ever a motivation for him. It was always for survival, to feed his family, to feed the group of people he was with. Uh, and he also very much believed in the way the Indians did things that when you kill the buffalo, and there are buffalo in our book, you know, but we think of buffalo as a plains phenomenon. But there were buffalo as, as, east, as far east as Maryland uh, in those days. Um, uh, you, you, if you kill the beast for food and for other cl- and, and clothing and other things, materials, you use the whole animal. You don't leave any waste behind. Mm-hmm. 
So I think Boone had a real regard for the natural world. And again, I think, too, what we've basically already covered is his acceptance of the people. Uh, if, you, if you were an honest, hardworking person and loyal to your friends and family, you would, were eligible to be one of Boone's best friends. Uh, uh, and so I think he was a rather enlightened man for somebody born in 1734. Thank you. This, this has been absolutely fascinating. I know we can continue and continue, but um, please, um, if you have a chance, blood and treasure Daniel Boone and the fight for America's first frontier. Um, it's a wonderful book and just go on again to Amazon. Easy to purchase, click of a button, deliver right to you. And um, Clavin, thank you so much for this, uh, for this talk. Uh, we appreciate it very, very much. Thank you. My pleasure. I feel like a bit of a preacher because I, I, I want to spread the word about what a fascinating Absolutely. person was. I'm glad you helped me do that. Thank you.